Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It is your Cape Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our brand new friend, Mark Fenton of The Accursed. We're here to break down his indie comic creating experience and everything in between. Mark, thank you for joining us. How are you doing this evening? I am super. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Is that a, a Ninja Turtles The Ronin shirt? No, it's Star Wars The Ronin shirt. Ah, we were just talking about <laughs> Star Wars. Man, that is so perfect. I actually, if you look right here, I have a huge Lego set that I just did. The, uh, the, uh, at, uh, the, uh, AT Oh, nice. Yep, yeah. yep, I can see it there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I, I love Star Wars myself. My kids, uh, you know, they're starting to get into it, but they're not about watching the grandiose movies quite yet but soon yeah soon <laughs> so speaking of indie comics like how did you get started in this field like how, how did you get started creating them and uh, what kind of pushed you in that journey sure sure so way back when um when i was younger um I used to spend a lot of time with my great grandmother um, after school and stuff like that. Um, we'd go to the grocery store, you know, obviously the comics rack spinner was there. The spinner rack was you know, towards the front <laughs> and I would go there, she would do her shopping. Um, and then, uh, you know, we started with one, I could pick one, you know, per week. And then eventually we got up to two or three. Um, and so it just, you know, I just, I loved reading those and, and the stories and the characters and, um, you know, when I was still younger then, you know, it got me into, if I had like Star Wars action figures, stuff like that, then I think that the, the comics got me more into when I was playing with them, actually, you know, playing out, you know, like stories or coming up mm -hmm. with, with stories in my own mind of, you know, what these characters were doing and, and things like that, that may not have, you know, always followed the movies, may have just been more of what I thought these characters, you know, would do and, and things like that. So I think that was like a big part of it. Um, and as I got older, you know, I, I, I learned about conventions and that I could actually go and meet these people that were drawing these and, and writing these stories. And, you know, as I met more and more creators, um, it, it literally was like one of the most welcoming, um, <laughs> you know, things that I've ever been in because these, these creators were like super nice and, you know, they would sign your book and talk to you about it and talk to you about, you know, where they came up with these ideas or, you know, if they took something from, from a movie, things like that. Um, and then eventually I ran into Jimmy Palmiotti, um, when I lived in the city at like the wizard world shows, like, uh, you know, who remembers those, but mm -hmm. wizard world Philly, you know, Jimmy was there and, and I went to one of his panels and he and Amanda were talking about their creative process and what they were doing. And he was on, they'd just done the Marvel Knights stuff. And so I talked to him after the panel and, you know, he was like, well, are you staying? And I was like, yeah, I'm in the hotel across the street. You know, he's like, well, come on down to the bar later. We'll be down there. We're going to talk about, you know, stuff. If that you is so down. cool. So I was like, sure. So I went down and, and you know, I talked to him and, and told him what I wanted to do. And he gave me his email and, and said, you know, send me some of your scripts and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, take a look at them and I'll let you know what I think and what I think you may need to work on. Um, and so, you know, I've been friends with Jimmy ever since. I've always kind of bounced things off from him when I have ideas. Um, he actually did a cover for the first Kickstarter book we ever did, Space Cooler. Um, and, you know, that, that level sold out, like everybody was buying those. Um, so that was, that was great. So I think it was kind of that, you know, starting as a kid reading comics and then just kind of, you know, learning more about the, the medium and, and meeting the people in the medium. Um, and, you know, like I said, 98% you know, of the people I've met have been super nice, super, 
um, you know, wanting to help and, and, you know, hey, I'll take a look at your stuff and, and you know, give you some, some pointers or my thoughts, you know, on, on how, what I think you should or shouldn't do. That is so, that's, I, I love that. Like your, your first like step into it, like you had help with Jimmy. Uh, did you ever expect any, anything like that happening? That seems like such a, like once in, in a lifetime opportunity. I, I, I love it. Yeah, no, no, no. I was expecting, you know, when I talked to him, him to be like, oh man, it's another fanboy. Yeah, hear me sign your book, <laughs> send you on your way. Um, but no, Jimmy's like one of the nicest and, and sweetest dudes in the in the industry. Um, you know, he always takes time for people. Um, even if he has a long line, you know, he'll step out, take a picture. You know, he'll he'll spend some time to talk with you. Um, and you know, like I said, he's he's been super nice, super helpful with me. And even you know, when in times when it's like. When, when I first wanted to do a Kickstarter and, and you know, I was going through it and, and showing him some of the stuff and then, you know, I launched it and he was like, you're not ready. He's like, you know, you should take that down now because you're, you're not ready for that. And it was, you know, it was good to get that feedback because I wasn't ready and then the book wasn't ready. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was good to get that kind of feedback as well and not to just sugarcoat stuff and be like, okay, we'll go ahead and try it. And, you know, if it doesn't succeed, whatever, you know, to say, you know, you should take that down because you could do better. Um, and we did, you know, we took it down and we did do better. So. so how did it feel like getting told that, like for your first book, did that have any sort of like pain to it? Or was it one of those things where you, you knew Jimmy and you're like, we're going to trust his word on this one? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, then you go back and you, you take a, a deeper dive and, and, you know, take a closer look at, at what you're doing and, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, what else is out there and, you know, like when you're when you're first doing it, you know, you're just excited and you want to get something out there and you want people to, you know, to, to look at, you know, see your idea and, and, you know, enjoy it or not or, you know, like all that <laughs> stuff. And you get all these emotions of, you know, hey, I want to get this book out there because, you know, I think my idea is the greatest idea, you know, since sliced bread and, you know, everybody's going to love it. Um, so it was good, you know, to get that and then to take that deeper dive and kind of see, you know, what else is out there. Um, Cause it, it's crazy like like now versus you know back when when i was first getting interested in comics you know there was no image back when i was getting comics you know there was no none of these independent create you know publishers and i don't think there was as many people trying to create stuff you know as as now where mm-hmm. it's, it's such a competitive field and there's there's so much out there that you know you've really got to have something you know with your story and, and stuff like that to be able to capture people's attention so what was it like promoting comics uh, back, you know, before Image and all, all that was started, you know, compared to nowadays? Yeah, like trying to sell your first book compared to selling The Accursed, it seems like it'd be two different worlds. I, th- I think so. And like, you know, back then, like I never even made it that far. Um, you know, I would write scripts and then, you know, I had no idea about page rates, about, you know, where to find artists, you know, anything like that. Um, so like I said, it, it's taken me a while to get to, to the point I'm at now. Um, you know, back then it was like, I would have an idea for a story and I would just start scripting it. And, um, you know, before I really knew anything, like I was writing it like a book and that's mm-hmm. like one of the other things that Jimmy would help me with. He's like, no, no. He's like, you got to break this down into a script. And he sent, you know, he sent me the, one of his Jonah Hex scripts and he's like, look at this. And he's like, and then, you know, try it and then send it back to me. And so I did. And, and he was like, yeah, he's like, you're getting the hang of it. He's like, you know, you're, you're getting this down to, to the script writing stuff. And it's funny because, you know, years after that, I would get my degree in, in creative writing. And so now, you know, I've written, um, I've worked on screenplays, I've worked on short story, you know, I've worked on like all these different mediums. Um, but back then, you know, when I was first starting out, it was just like, 
you know, I thought, oh man, I write this like a book and then, you know, the artist will just draw it. <laughs> That's know, it. <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> so, so yeah, a lot of learning, you know, you, you learn a lot of stuff with that. Um, especially for me, you know, I just, I didn't understand. I knew I'd, I'd love the medium. I just didn't fully understand it. So what was that first book about? The one that you, you finally, you know, Jimmy approved of the script, you got it published, you got it printed. Uh, what was that story about? So, so Space Cooler was, and it's funny because I always told myself that I was like, man, I was like, I don't want to do a superhero story for my first, you know, first book I do. I don't, I don't want it to be superhero related. I want to go, you know, in a, in a different format. And so Space Cooler was, is a sci-fi story about essentially, you know, the government is, is just tired of crime uh, on Earth. It's gotten so bad that they build the space station and send it up and that's essentially, you know, they tell you, hey, if you commit a major crime, this is where you're gonna go. Um, each year, there's a lottery. They draw two cops' names that are sent up to man the station for, for a year. They take the new prisoners up. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's at capacity. So they've got to, you know, take out the same number of people on the station that they're, that they're taking up. Um, and we learned that, you know, one of the cops is going up there with a vendetta and he he has, you know, this vendetta against one of the prisoners up there. And the other cop is like this small town cop with a family. You know, his family was hoping that he would never be drawn, you know, in this lottery. And unfortunately, he is. Um, and so we follow, you know, these two guys going up there and we, you know, we look at what they each think about as they go up there. You know, one's going to vendetta. The other one's going, you know, has a family. He doesn't want to go. Um, and they each have their own ideas of what it's going to be like up there, you know, when they get up there. And then when they get up there, they see that it's an entirely different world um, than what they each, you know, perceived it as. And, you know, the, the cops now are just kind of like, you know, they go up for a year. Mm -hmm. The prisoners, you know, are there. They do their own thing. You know, the cops are just kind of stay in, in their own sections and they don't, you know, really bother with it with anybody. Um, but then we follow, you know, this, this cop that has the vendetta and we see like what he's willing to do to, you know, to, to get this vendetta taken care of. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as that happens, you know, other things unfold. And then in the end, it's really, nobody gets what they wanted. Um, and you know, we leave it with a kind of an open ending so that we could always come back to it. But, um, it's, it's definitely, you know, we look at family in it because the, one cop is leaving his family, the other cop with the vendetta, you know, it's because something happened to his family. Um, you know, we, we see stuff from the prisoner's point of view, like one issue was just basically set on how the prisoners um, act when, when the new ship comes in, when the new cops come in, you know, like their fears about, you know, what are these cops gonna be like? Or, mm -hmm. you know, some of their excitement about, hey, there's new people coming in that, you know, some of their fears of, you know, hey, am I gonna be one of the ones taken out because these new people are coming in? Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it there's a lot going on in the story. I like that though. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I loved it. And, and you know, Brian Rogers was the artist on it. And he's the artist, um, right now he's doing Trailer Park Boys for um, Devil's Due. That is so, so awesome, yeah. Yeah, so Brian has, has gone on, and, and he was a he was a runner up in the, the Top Cow um, Artist Competition, and you know he's super nice. He came out here for one of the conventions, and I got to hang out with with him and his family. Um, but you know, we just we definitely you know clicked on this, and, and he you know added his own stuff to a lot of these these characters. Um, and I can tell you, like, the, the main antagonist in the story um, is the crowbar killer. 
Um, he's a Native American. Um, and it's just, he's got like this this vibe to him that, that I just, you know, I, I don't know. I really love writing it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just, I love the concept of the lottery. Uh, it, it, like, especially calling it the lottery, you almost like are forced to want to believe it's a good thing, but it's definitely not. Uh, what was yeah. your inspiration for that? That seems like just such a, like a really interesting uh, concept. You know, it's crazy. Like sometimes where you get these ideas and, and the whole concept of it came to me from, it was an Incubus song. And in the beginning of it, I think, I don't think it was stellar, but it has this like, just like this, um, instrumental piece where it's just like to me it sounded like the signal going through space and and so my thought you know as i'm writing this was like you know what would it be like if you were stuck in space like that and you're just sending out you know the signal mm-hmm. and you're not getting any response you're not getting a response you're getting a response and so the book kind of ends with that on that on that note but it's like you know that's where it started from was like i heard this song and i was like you know this this um, story I want to tell is definitely going to be like this. It's going to be, you know, you're in space. There's really, you know, you can't go anywhere. You're sending out the signal. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a response type of stuff. So I, I love how it was uh, crafted from a song. Uh, that, that just makes it so much better. <laughs> Did you listen to that song on like repeat nonstop until you pounded out the, the final script? Um, I would put it on sometimes, you know, when I'm writing just because that's, you know, that's where it started from. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm, I'm weird like that. Like I have to put on <laughs> music for the mood of what I'm writing. So like, if it's like a fight scene, then, you know, I'll put on like, you know, some, some, some heavier metal or something like that. Or like, you know, the grudge by tool, like I'll put that on, you know, mm-hmm. as, as I'm trying to do this, this fight scene or, um, you know, if, if it's more of a sadder moment, then, you know, maybe something a little softer. Um, so yeah. No, I, I, you know, for me while I'm editing, uh, this is really weird too, but if I'm editing a podcast or something, I'll listen to music too. I don't know if the, how that makes sense, you know, since I have to listen to audio and stuff, but it's, it's something about like, just like letting that background noise kind of just amplify what you're doing. I just find like yeah. a lot of success in it. So after Space Cooler, where, where did we go next uh, in your indie comic creating career? So after Space Cooler, um, and it actually, yeah, because it got pushed back. So Brian and I did a short in Antarctic Press. Um, they picked up the um, Planet Comics title. It was in the public domain. And so this was like a book that really focused on strong female characters. And it was popular in like, I think like the 60s. Um, Roy Thomas wrote a bunch of it. Um, and so Antarctic Press got the, um, the you know, got it from the free domain stuff. and. Mm-hmm was looking for these short stories. And so, you know, Brian and I did this story about this, you know, female space cadet that's like watching her, you know, her section of space. And um, she goes to check out this ship that had been missing. And she goes in and, you know, we run into the equivalent equivalent of a space vampire. And so she's like, you know, she fights this thing and, and she ends up killing it. Um, only to realize afterwards that she'd been bitten. And so <laughs> now she's like, you know, she's calling back to um, the home base and, and say, checking in and saying, yeah, you know, everything was fine. It was deserted. Um, and then, you know, she has to dispose of, of that stuff. And we left it, whereas, you know, she's heading back to the to the home base. Um, 
and then she shows her fangs and she just kind of you know she makes like we put in this i put in this thing where it was like this stupid joke about something like with teeth but it was something like about what do old people and i don't even remember something else have in common but it was like a <laughs> like a, 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 a you know a tooth joke mm-hmm. and then we see her fangs and she's heading back and so that was our our contribution to that and it was so, funny because oh, sorry, go ahead go ahead oh no uh, so, so you know you you so it's funny though because like after that because i um i just i wanted to do something else you know i wrote this this full issue script and sent it to brian and to see what he would think about you know us following this 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 woman's journey and you know she's like basically on the run because they've discovered what she is um and she like you know does these like illegal street fights for for money to get food and stuff like that while she's being chased um and I, you know i thought it would you know it sounded fun um Antarctic press just wanted to run things like you know six pages you know per issue stuff like that so um we really tried to get it into its own title because i thought there was a lot you know that we could do with that mm-hmm. uh, we have dr hino 419 over on youtube stopping in and say yo 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 uh I noticed that uh, the last two, uh, your first two books were very heavily spaced influenced. Do you think a lot of that was like attributed to like your love for Star Wars? Um, I think part of it, part of it was with Planet Comics, you know, we didn't really have a choice. We kind of had to go. Um, I mean, we could have done something like on a remote, you know, planet or something like that. But, um, you know, I just I. I think not just Star Wars, but I think like the old Battlestar Galactica, like I watched oh, yeah. that as a kid. Um, so I felt like that was kind of part of it when we put her in the ship. It was kind of like the cockpit that like Starbuck would be in, you know, with the one person and mm-hmm. the piece coming down type of stuff. Um, it's like that, you know, I, I grew up watching Buck Rogers, um, probably one of the you know few people that actually loved the Black Hole by Disney. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of that's that, a lot of that stuff tied into it. So where where are we next at this point in your journey? So you just uh, created this book, and it seems like Brian's been along with you for a big chunk of the ride as well. Yeah, Brian. I mean, Brian's a great friend. Um, it's one of the good things. That's one of the things that I really love about when you create this stuff is that you know you you form a bond with the mm-hmm. artist. You get to know them a little bit better. Um, so yeah, so Brian and I, you know, did Space Cooler, which is four issues. We did Planet Comics. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll do more um, just because, you know, I think we both really like working with each other. Um, he's just kind of kind of gotten busier with, you know, he did a couple of the Trailer Park Boy books. Um, he's done some stuff like that. That's he does, pretty big. Um, yeah, he does the uh, <laughs> Marvel Upper Deck cards. Um, so he does a lot of that stuff. Um, he's done stuff, I believe, for Top Cow and Image. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, been, been good for him. Um, but yeah, so then after Space Cooler, we did um, a drift through Kickstarter, and that was with um, Jacob Yergren, and he's a um, artist in Mexico. He's also an art professor, and he's done some work for DC with like mm-hmm. um, Flash and Blue Beetle. And we did um, a drift is is basically Fantasy Island meets Hostel. So we kind of we had this female character you know comes ashore on an island that she feels is deserted she as she kind of walks around to to get her bearings um she becomes abducted and kind of learns that the island is more of a 
pay to play island um, where you can do things that you normally wouldn't, you know, be able to do in in everyday life. Um, and she kind of sees it from the other people on the island's perspective because she's in, she's in this cell, but she sees like how the these two guys that are kind of like minion minion type of you know cleanup guys she sees it from their perspective on on what's going on in the island and, and listening to their conversations as they kind of talk back and forth about you know life in general and, and mm-hmm. things on the island um and as it goes and this one um we kickstarted issue one and then issues two three and four uh were picked up by a publisher and then um as we go kind of go through the story we we, we see who's behind like who's financing this island and, and, mm-hmm. and you know what they're what they're really trying to do and um kind of let you know like the if you have money you can do whatever you want type of situation and, and they're willing to you know let you do that for for the right price um and so i don't want to spoil anything just because yeah, they haven't come yeah, out yeah, yet yeah. but <laughs> but no, as it fine. goes you know we learn more about the main character and then um, what she, you know, what what she really is, and, and why she's really there. It seems like this um, was a uh, a whole new tone of writing for you uh, compared to your other previous works. Uh, yeah, how was sure. that for you? Like, did you have to like adapt your, your your style, or did you have to maybe research anything differently to kind of put yourself in this mindset? Um, no, I mean, I just I kind of researched different things, like, and it's weird because somebody will probably you know go through my search history and I'll get arrested because um, yeah, I was looking up you know like cult stuff and, and, and things like that the FBI and, is like man what is Mark doing yeah this guy <laughs> I watch this guy um, yeah so no just more like that and then there's a lot of um, body horror um, in this book because some of these people just have you know these these twisted ideas or you know I just I felt like um, you know given the opportunity, these people want to try different, you know, ways of, of, of injuring somebody or killing somebody, um, which I think is just because I've always been interested in like serial killers. Like when I read about them and, and, you know, like I couldn't, you know, I couldn't chop somebody up. So like, it, it's interesting to me, like, you know, what, how could somebody do that? You know, like, yeah. how, how does that not bother you to, to do that to someone? Um, and so the book kind of looks at, you know, why these people do this. Um, some do it just because, you know, that's their thing and, and they have money so that they can do it. And, you know, some it's revenge. Some it's like, you know, this person reminds me of my ex-wife. So, you know, I'm going to pay to do this because that'll get out my aggression and, and you know, let me do what I want to do. Um, <laughs> but I really can't do in, in real life. So, yeah. So you were exploring a little bit of the body horror, but was there any sort of symbolism behind like the money aspect, the the ability to do whatever you wanted if you had the money for it? Yeah, I mean, it's just I think part of that just comes from, you know, the the state of, of you know, our country, you know, the last, you know, however many years about and, and just in general that like, you know, it seems like if you have money, um, enough money, then, you know, you can kind of sidestep you know the normal stuff that we would have to deal with like if we did something you know it'd be like cops gonna come we're arrested you know we're going to jail um you know if you have money if you have influence if you you know know people then it kind of becomes well they're they're not really doing anything else so we'll let them you know just stew for now and then you know they know what they did was wrong but 
you know, they they may not, you know, get the same um, punishment or repercussions as it, we would as, as normal people. It almost seemed like a, a knock on uh, some of the celebrities, like a lot of celebrities out there uh, with some of their more horrific crimes, like getting just a simple fine, you know, yeah. you hear all the times of like, DUI like hit, hit and runs and stuff from people who are just millionaires and then like you hear about it 20 years later and it's like oh they they definitely paid the family off like wow they should be in prison yeah. for that yeah so how did we end up on the accursed you know where where were we at in this in this journey that led you to this because <laughs> yeah, this but this book is I, I had a chance to read it and it, it was it was really insane I, I love the concept of it and just everything that went with it and the cover too is just it's gorgeous as well so, so the accursed was. Um, I wanted to do first. I wanted to, to, to have like a cartoony look, and um, I've been friends with with Andy Kuhn for for a few years, and so you know I've, I've kind of seen his style, and I, and I like his kind of cartoony take. And so when I reached out to look for an artist, um, David um, Campassi, he's a French artist, um, responded and sent me some of his stuff, and I was like. I was like, I really like like the style. I really like, you know, what he's doing. And so with the accursed, I wanted to do, and it's funny because I always pitch it as like, it's kind of like a mix of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Harry Potter, Dungeons and Dragons, um, <laughs> you know, like all these like um, mythical type of creatures, things like that. But I wanted it just to be like nonstop, you know, full on, you're not gonna know what to expect um, type of thing, you know, like any creature is, is out there, is open game for, for this book. Um, like I can say for issue two, it's a minor spoiler, um, but the Kraken shows up. Okay. And, you know, so it's, 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 it's kind of out there. <clears throat> um, I just, I wanted to tell this story. And again, it's like a female character. So I don't know where, why I keep uh, going this route, but um, it's kind of, you know, they kind of have the, her family kind of has the, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibe and mm -hmm. her family has been essentially the balance for humanity against supernatural beings for centuries and it passes down um, from, for each female. So when our main character, um, when we open with her, you know, she's been passed down from her mom and David did um, a variant cover. And we kind of did like a a Batman homage. So it's the two kids are like on their knees in front of their van, and then their parents' hands are kind of like just out, like um, Batman's were. And mm -hmm. I think in year one, and you know David put like pearls, and there's a pool of blood, and it's like you know we did the the Batman homage for that. Um, but essentially, it's it's you know there's a hedge witch, and Again, they're going to look at my browser history and be like, why is this guy looking at witchcraft now? And why is he trying to, to do this stuff? <laughs> um, but we, we, we have this hedge wish that can kind of go through, um, you know, different universes. And, and she's looking for a way to, to end this, this family's dynasty of, of being the, um, the equalizer um, for humanity. And so she finds this timeline where she can make a change and so when we open um, we see Olivia as a kid and she is in the role already of being this this you know balancer whereas normally these females don't get their you know enhanced abilities anything like that until they reach 18 and so she's been cursed to not reach that age 
And so she has some of the weapons, stuff like that, that her mom would have had. She has, you know, a little bit of training, but she's stuck in like this kid's body and she's trying to, you know, find the witch to reverse the curse. And in the mean, in the same time, trying to, to keep this balance of, you know, keeping the supernatural from taking over um, humanity. And as we look at it, we kind of see that some of these supernatural creatures have just become accustomed and, and you know, they don't want to do that. They're they're happy with what they're doing. Um, like in issue one, um, and people see as we go through it, like these vampires run this nightclub and they found that they don't necessarily need to suck your blood. They can steal your life essence through gambling or through, you know, <laughs> these other means. Um, and I so they're, they're content, they're content with that. You know, they, they've got money to do what they want. They've got their, um, you know, they're getting the life essence from people that, that they need. Um, and so they're content. They could really care less, you know, if, if, you know, if Olivia, um, becomes this balancer or not. So I love the vampires running the casinos. Not only are they the potential to suck you dry through your blood, but through your wallet as well. I th- I love that. So, what was the uh, the script uh, writing this uh, like experience for you uh, compared to the first one? Like, so your first book compared to this one because this one seems like it's just packed, filled with just so much uh, like depth to it and just levels to it. Uh, and while your first one did as well, um, it just seemed the the concept of this is just so much more. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure, like when we did Space Cooler, it was more, um, you know, had to focus more on, you know, families being torn apart, stuff like that. So it was more dramatic. It was more, um, you know, really wanting to show that, you know, what was happening with these families, whereas, you know, the curse, it's just like, it's just all out, you know, there's, there's no stopping, you know, it's just this is what's going to, you know, this is happening. And it's more <laughs> of just, you know, trying to cram as much as, as we can into each issue. Um, at the, You know, at the same time, still trying to tell the story of, you know, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how did, how did this girl get to the, get to be where she's at? Um, and issue two is actually a flashback to, we, we meet the parents and we kind of see, you know, um, the role that the dad and had, you know, with the mom is, is she was the main you know, protector and we see that um, Olivia isn't born yet. Jeremy's there, and he's kind of, you know, seeing, you know, what how it works, and and you know what he needs to do to help his sister. So when we come back, you know, to issue one, the end of issue one, we kind of left it as, you know, Jeremy's kind of tired of this. He doesn't want to keep mm-hmm. doing this stuff. He doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want to have to deal with these kind of things. He doesn't want to have to worry about his sister. So. Um, you know, the writing was definitely a, a lot different with Space Cooler. It was tighter. It was, you know, we, we, we showed, you know, different people's perspective on things. But like, you know, with this one, I just wanted it to be fun. I just wanted it to be, you know, nonstop. Like there's, you know, there's something always going on. And, and Olivia is continually like trying to, you know, to find things and, and, and solve this mystery and, and be able to get, you know, this spell taken off from her. That's so cool. Was uh, did you uh, have a chance to send this to Jimmy at all? Like, has Jimmy been like a part of this like uh, every step of the way? Or yeah, I mean, I send him pretty much anything. You know, when we're done, I'll send him the the book, and and it's not always you know his his cup of tea. <laughs> um, so it's um, but he's always been you know super supportive, and and you know he's he's always good about you know hey make sure you know when you do a contract with the publisher you know that you're getting you know this this or that and. He's been really good about, you know, telling me, you know, to make sure on, you know, 
rights, copyright stuff like that to make sure that that you know we always own the the actual product. And so, you know, that's helped a lot. It's so cool that uh, you were able to like kind of find him almost as like a mentor for you, like along your journey and, and get that advice. I know, like as someone just starting into this, like there there it it just would seem like overwhelming. Like where would you be even begin? Like there'd be so many things yeah. to miss over. So it's nice you kind of had that vet look at it. So. We do actually have the opportunity to take a look at the Accursed Issue 1, so let's go ahead and just uh, slide on over there and check it out ourselves. And then, so right here is Issue 1 of the Accursed. And so first things first, uh, the name is a really interesting title. What what inspired you to come up with that title? So we, we wanted to do, um, you know, something to, to kind of give away a little bit of the story and to get, you know, get people kind of interested. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we thought, you know, with the accursed, you know, people are kind of like, oh, you know, the accursed, oh, was, you know, was somebody cursed? You know, what is the, the deal with this? Is it, you know, werewolves? Is it, you know, anything like that? Um, and, you know, essentially Olivia is cursed. Um, you know, she can't, she's not going to age beyond um, where she's at. And so that's kind of what we came up with. And I like the flow of it. Like, I really liked, you know, I've always tried to do like the one title, uh, one word titles, just mm -hmm. because... Yeah, I just think if you go, you know, beyond that, then it's just kind of like too much. You know, people don't yeah. want that. They're like, oh, you know, the curse. Oh, cool. You know, it's maybe this is the witch book I've been looking for, or maybe this is, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, so what are we seeing on this cover right here? So on the cover, we have the hedge witch is, is behind Olivia, and that that would be the Darth Vader of the Star Wars poster. Mm -hmm. um, Olivia is holding up uh, her soul sword, and then. Um, Jeremy, her brother, is in front with a with a stake, um, and then we kind of see the the you know the cities like kind of being burnt, and we've got a harpy on Olivia's right, um, which is we meet right off the right out of the bat on mm -hmm. of this issue, and then um, the other guys on Olivia's left, I believe uh, Victor was going for like a vampire kind of. Of look but he didn't, he didn't really know the characters in the in the story um other than the main characters so he kind of did that on his you know going off from his own which you know i love that i love when you know that people are creative and, and add their own you know mm -hmm. flavor to stuff i definitely i love this cover it was it was the second i seen it, i was like man this is going to be definitely my type of book like you know what i mean that was like the perfect <laughs> cover so right here is issue one and so uh, this is yeah, sorry. So this is the variant cover. So this is um, basically you got the sampler, you know, full issue one and, and some of the sampler stuff. So this was David's variant cover. Mm -hmm. With the and pearls. So that's the, yeah, with the Batman homage. So there's the parents that are, you know, no longer with us. And then he's kind of got the spell coming down from the hedge witch onto Olivia mm -hmm. um, and her brother. And then that's uh, his van. And then right here is the start of everything. So we get a nice little look. And uh, I, I loved how uh, everything in the back was just filled with like an armory uh, ready to take on these uh, <laughs> these monsters. It kind of gave me like a little bit of a Van like Helsing feeling to it. Uh-huh. So what, yeah. what are we seeing uh, happening in these first pages? So, so we open, you know, Jeremy's in the van and we can see he's impatient. Um, and then we kind of just see, you know, like all this random stuff so you know we see spikes we see crosses we see knives we see guns <laughs> uh, yeah, grenades. Um, so essentially it, it's kind of you know 
they're learning as they go because you know Olivia's parents, their parents are gone, and mm-hmm. and so Olivia didn't get the full training that she, you know, that the other people, her mom might have gotten, um, and so you know we're with Jeremy in the van. Um, he's impatient. We kind of learn that they're looking for you know something. They're looking for this 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 witch, um, and you know we just wanted to show the van and and you know that they had they carry all this stuff with them mm-hmm. um and that this is what they do this is what they've been doing on a, a regular basis is i love just the, going and, and, and hunting i love the little detail too the rabbit's foot like every like van from the 70s always has a rabbit foot on the keychain <laughs> <laughs> yep and then um and so that that's you know that's what we open with it's just you know we open with jeremy and, and kind of we just see that he's impatient and he's you know he's he's waiting for something to happen and we get a little uh, introduction that they're heading to a harpy nest so this yeah is f- and so yeah so when in print this is actually a double spread for okay. um for issues for page two and three okay i so, see how the the, the sound uh, bubble bleeds off yeah. like that yeah Yep. So when in print, this is actually two page, you know, two page spread, and we see the harpy, and she's it, it's coming behind Olivia, and Olivia is basically telling you know her brother, start the van, start the mm-hmm. van, you know, get me something for for a harpy. <laughs> this thing is grotesque looking. What was uh? Yeah. So, so, so I mean, when you were talking to your artist, what was time some of the direction you were giving them? So I, I don't tend to give you know a lot um, a lot of direction. I just I told David I was like you know let's let's have this harpy that's that's coming in and and coming together um and i was like you know this is up to you you know do what do what you want to do um and i loved it you know i was like that would freak me out if i was you know yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so this we get the title uh uh, i hope my coffin is comfortable uh which is i really like that too so that's a nice one too is that a little uh, throwback for vampires so it it's kind. Of, it's funny because, um, again, you know, I listen to music as I write a lot of this stuff, and um, I'm a big Modest Mouse fan, and they have a song, um, "Satin," was it "Satin in My Coffin," or something like that. So that's that's where it came from. Was like, you know, and then I was like, well, you know, if if you're gonna die, then you know, you're dead, but you you hope that your you know your coffin is. is I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> So we see them um, trying to get away, and they see the harpy in uh, the the rearview mirror. This thing is relentless. Yep. And so you know we see Jeremy's perspective, and and you know now he's getting freaked out. Um, Olivia has has dealt with some of this stuff before, so you know she's not as as, as terrified as mm-hmm. probably he is. Um, but you know again she's telling him you know get get ready so I can get in there, get me something to to, to fight this thing. Um, and then you know we just we see that jeremy has no idea you know he's like i've never you know we've never done <laughs> i don't know what you know what to do so he throws a stake out um you know and then olivia's like well i don't think that's gonna work so she pulls a gun out of her you know out of her bag and and shoots um and again like i love you know what he did with the harpy and, and the face is just kind of like you know that's like a nightmare inducing face yeah yeah like freddy krueger almost <laughs> um and so because Olivia doesn't know, you know, she just shoots at it <coughs> and she hits its wing. I love the, I love a, a little girl like with a, like a, a revolver, like a stub nose <laughs> revolver shooting a harpy. Like just this imagery to see it in real life would just be so insane. But we see that Olivia and her brother do actually, in fact, get away. 
but they yep. didn't find the witch. Uh, and uh, we noticed that they left behind the stake too, so uh, that's pretty interesting. That, yeah, and, and it's, it's funny because we, we really wanted to play with perspective in this book. And so for this panel, you know, I told, you know, when we talked about it and I told David, I was like, well, you know, let's do it like the stake he threw out is now our point of view in the front and they're, you know, they're taking off and pulling away. So, you know, he was, he was really good about doing that here. It's like, you know, the stake is in the front, like where we are and the van is kind of, you know, gone and like mm -hmm. they're leaving. So yeah, they're not the best at what they do. So they tend to, you know, leave stuff behind or, or, you know, um, make mistakes. And then as we go on, they, um, Olivia decides that, you know, they need to get some help. They need to go and <clears throat> ask some of these other, you know, creatures and supernatural beings, you know, where they can find this, this hedgewitch. And we find out that they were set up as well, uh, that the lead they were given was garbage and the harpy was meant to kill them. So that's yep. another little interesting tidbit that, uh, that was introduced as well. So is this the harpy still following them in the background? So the harpy is gone. So I was leaving because it's got shot. I gotcha. So I, he, I gotcha. He made sure that the the hole was in the way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So the harpy is is given up because it got shot. <laughs> so we get a look at Sundowner, and uh, this is a rather interesting club. I love the name too. <laughs> the fact that it's ran by vampires and it's called the Sundowner. Like that's just chef kiss. <laughs> Yeah, we wanted it to be, you know, so that you would know that it was vampires um, and that, you know, you would get the the idea that, that it was a vampire run, you know, even as before you kind of get to meet all these people. So we get a nice little interaction between them and the two, uh, the two uh, henchmen uh, in, in the front. They know that someone big is here because these two are here. So that's indication that the guy they're looking for might be here. Um, Olivia has some brass, though. The way she is just, like, so small and she's pointing that finger straight in this dude's face. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of gave her, you know, like, her, her own personality. She's kind of like, you know, uh, Wolverine from, mm -hmm. from Marvel. You know, mm -hmm. she's not going to take anybody's crap. She's tired of this. You know, she just wants to, you know, get this curse removed. So she's not, you know... Not putting up with anybody's garbage. And I love right here. She's like, I got your strawberry shortcake right here. And then the poor brother, he's like, come on, don't, don't, don't get my, don't get my butt beat. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't write checks that, that I'm going to have to cash. Like, yeah. So we see them in the club itself. And uh, just some really interesting tidbits right here. Like we have this older lady with her uh, oxygen machine uh, playing uh, the slots. I, I love that as well. Yeah, that, that one was specifically me. Um, and I told David, I was like, well, I was like, you know, there's always these old people that are smoking on their oxygen while they're on oxygen um, <laughs> in, these, in these places. I'm like, so, you know, put it, let's put an old person at the slot machine. You know, they got their oxygen tank behind them. And this is, this is their life now, you know, they come mm -hmm. and, and just play the slots all day. No, I love it. I love it because you're right. You're not wrong. Uh, it's, it's insane. <laughs> and uh, another thing you really nailed too is like, a weird thing is casinos really don't have a whole lot of windows like on the playing floor. So like, uh, it's cool that you guys were able to, to nail that too. Uh, they do that because it's like a psychological trick. Like you can't see the sense of, of time and day. So you stay in there longer. Longer. It's weird. Yeah. yeah, it's weird how that works. <laughs> but now we're getting, we're seeing them getting ready to go up to the elevator to meet the big head honcho of this place. But uh, yeah, things aren't looking too good. They're about to get pat down. They're getting met up by uh, this trio right here. So who are we seeing right here? So essentially, you know, we just wanted it to be like layers. So the vampires are, you know, in there in layers. So there's two guys outside, um, 
you know, that are like the first line of defense. And then, you know, these guys are like the next line of defense for mm-hmm. the main vampire, the, the, you know, the head of the place that, that's running this place. So this is like kind of like you know, you're peeling back the onion. And this is the, the second layer of, of, of guys that are, you know, looking out for the main vampire. And of course, we see Olivia getting uh, fiery right off the rip. Uh, but it's just protocol. Uh, and uh, yeah, oh man, what, what, yes, one of them farted. <laughs> yeah, so we slid, in, we slid in a fart joke that the brother basically was farted because he's nervous. Um, and so we, we've kind of, you know, given him that Shaggy from Scooby-Doo kind of personality mm-hmm. of, you know, he's he's seen this because of his parents before and, and, and you know, doing this with Olivia. Um, he's still not, you know, a fan of it. He's not used to being around, the, you know, these monsters as like this. And so, you know, he has these like little ticks. Like he gets nervous, you know, mm-hmm. and he's in an elevator full of vampires. You know, I don't blame the guy, but yeah. So he, yeah, he. It's he an interesting move. In there. It's an interesting move. <laughs> an interesting uh, smokescreen to get out of situations. So we we get into the actual club so the casino is kind of just like a front and after you get through the bodyguards you actually get into uh the club itself i love the sign on the door the man the myth the legend like this this guy just seems like he's a full of himself yeah <laughs> yeah and then it, and and you know you'll see as you go to the like i think the next page you know we made him um he has like this cowboy vibe mm-hmm. like he's you know He's like a, we, we wanted him to be an Asian um, vampire, but he he loves, you know, like all the Western stuff, like yeah. the, um, not like cowboy Western in general, but just like Western, like us. And, you know, he's like, but he does wear the cowboy hat and, you know, he likes money and he's, you know, he knows that with this club, he can get, you know, pretty much everything he needs. <laughs> I wasn't expecting him to be a cowboy, but he, he knows benefits from the, he, the witch's death. So that's funny. Olivia wasn't expecting him to look like a cowboy either. Uh, and then he's he's just as feisty. He's like, how about a taste of your blood f- f- uh, flowing through your veins as well? So he knows that she's uh, magical. Yeah. So all the they all all the creatures know basically that she's the next heir. You know, the next line of the Starkings family that that are, are the balancers. So so was that yeah. kind of like your take on like Jedi's, uh, like by any means, or like or is that kind of maybe too far of a stretch? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't I don't think that was like where I was going. I think it was just more I wanted like a Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer kind of scenario. But, you know, ours is this girl that's that's younger and um, she knows like she knows, you know, what her family's done and for years and centuries and, you know, that they've always been the balance. So I think it was just more of that more along like the, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of stuff. And we see uh, they're, they're kind of having trouble getting information out of this guy. And Olivia is about to make a rather bold uh, move here. You know, I wasn't hoping it would come to this. Uh, and then right here, you know, what? so what are we seeing her do right here? So she's pulling out um, essentially her soul sword, which is what gets passed down for, her, for each generation. Um, but as you can see, because she hasn't reached puberty, she hasn't gotten those enhanced abilities. She hasn't, you know, gotten through all the training it's more of like a dagger because she hasn't gotten there yet and this the sword kind of grows with each carrier of it so because she you know her training her growth and like that's been stunted the the soul sword is kind of in the same situation and i love how he calls it a flashlight too that has to be so demeaning to (laughs) olivia oh my god and then right here we see him kind of like just his little uh monologue to her uh 
Olivia's like kind of just like calling about saying she's gonna end him right there and then him basically laughing at her yep so he kind of you know he knows that that she's not you know full power yet that you know that you probably could take her out if, if you wanted to um but again you know it's like these guys are comfortable where they're at they don't really care mm -hmm. you know if, if she's around because she's not going to do anything you know her her parents and their parents have let these guys do this for for so long just because they're they're not you know they're not out killing people not doing anything like that yeah they're stealing their money they're taking you know maybe years off their life from from going to the casino but they're not you know they kind of found their niche and yeah in, in regular life and uh right here he's basically explaining to her like you know you have to give me something in exchange for the information you need yeah, like we're not just like uh the people we used to be we've evolved we don't hide in the shadows uh, I would expect you to honor your mother's agreement with us um, and he wants something in return so I, I thought this was a nice little kind of like way to like segue from like a potential fight to kind of explaining like what she needs to do in order to get what she she wants from him mm -hmm. and then right here of course she's like you know I'll honor whatever agreement my mom had with you but I'm gonna be adding my own stipulations uh, and then right here you have your mother's funk. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> the, I'll, I'll give you this and you will leave. So I love how he kind of acknowledges how she was just like her mom as well. Yeah. So we see them start to leave the club and then he gets a ticket. So I thought that was like just the icing on the cake as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad, you know, for, for Jeremy, but he's, he's like, you know, he's that, that sidekick that, that keeps taking the hits and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it never gets better for him. First, he gets embarrassed by farting. Now he got to take it. My, poor Jeremy. Poor Jeremy. So right here <laughs> is the transistor plane. So what are we looking at right here? Uh, you know, what is this uh, area? So this is this is where the hedge witch kind of is between um, all the different um, timelines and, 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 you know, universes and things like that. Because she's a hedge witch, she can jump between and she can see like different um, timelines, different thing. You know, she can see like essentially that's how she got to be where she could take out the parents like she found a, a, a time where they were at their weakest point and then that's when she made her move and, and did what she did um so essentially she can see like all these different things and it's kind of what david did like in the next one with all the mirrors it's just mm -hmm. like you know she has all these because she's watching everything that's going on um in all these different times and, and space and, and you know, universes and stuff like that and that's you know how she's gonna get back to where she wants to be so we find out that she was uh, the one who sent out the harpy, uh, that she is working to become queen of the monsters. And uh, I, I love this. It's so detailed here, too. This almost right here reminds me of uh, what is it? Was it Cinderella's mirror on the wall? Uh, the, the the mask on it. So I, I love that little face right there, too. That was that any sort of like uh, like nod to that or did uh, your artist? Yeah, that would be David. Yeah, I don't know. Dave, this was all David. Like, I just you know, kind of gave him the idea of like, hey, we want to you know put her here in her own area and mm -hmm. then he came up with with the rest um and and so yeah that was all david and then we pivot back to olivia and her brother having a talk while they're driving and i just thought this uh dialogue was really interesting too like can you believe the arrogance of that guy well he is a thousand years old right like so just kind of touching base on how old these guys really are yeah and then kind of just like how, you know, he's taking it, like how it's bothering him, how it's starting to kind of really affect him. I really, you know, the dialogue was really good. Was it hard for you to kind of write like a brother sister like relationship or, you know, how was this for yeah, you? Uh, it's it's, uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, you want to you, you want to put yourself in, in that person's role. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, like when you write Olivia, you want to write, you know, it's this angst-ridden kid that's just, you know, life has been, you know, crap because, you know, she lost her parents, she's been cursed, um, you know, she feels like the burden is she has to, you know, she has to fix this. Um, and then, you know, you look at it from, from his point of view, and like we look at it more in issue two is that, you know, he grew up with his parents doing this stuff. So he's been around this longer than her. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he lost his parents and now, you know, his, he's afraid he may lose his sister, um, you know, and, and what's going to happen if, if she's gone, because that would end the line of, you know, their family of, of what they've done for generations. So, yeah, you just kind of, you know, put yourself in that position and, and try to look at it from their point of view. I really love too how he was like, you know, you're, you're you stopped aging, but I didn't, and he's had to like spend his life guard being a guardian for her, yeah. and you you see her like her, her firecracker attitude when she just gets out the door, she packs it, she's like, fine, I'm gonna do it myself, <laughs> like I don't need you, like I thought you yeah. really nailed that on the head. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's we wanted it to be, you know, that it's just you know again, it's you know she's hasn't been around this as long as he has, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they each have their own, you know, point of view that they don't really talk about, you know, to each other. And she's like, you know, I've got to do this. I don't, I don't have a choice, you know. And his thing is just kind of like he doesn't want to lose anybody else. I also like the graffiti on the wall too. Come get some. And yeah. if you're reading this, you're yeah, not illiterate. <laughs> But we see there's something, you know, she's ready to go face the witch. She's ready to get, get take care, you know, take care of it. She's not good at family stuff because she lost it so early. But there's something hiding in the sewers that she kind of missed. She didn't really see that, you know, so yep. some ominous things are about to happen. Uh, and I love how we're seeing her walk away. And this thing from the sewer just slowly but surely starts creeping out these long tentacles. And this one, again, you know, was like perspective wise, you know, well, David knew that, you know, I told him that let's try to do it with a, that angle of, you know, we're looking up as the, as if we are the monster. She's mm -hmm. walking, you know, we see the bottom of her foot and then, you know, she goes and then, you know, she gets grabbed. And at this point, the brothers already drop uh, driving off and sees it in the rear view yep. mirror uh, that she's getting caught up by tentacles. Yep. Uh, but then it's kind of weird it just makes the effort to just keep driving yeah and that's that's you know that was how we, i wanted to end it was just that you know he's, he's at that point you know he's at that breaking point and he's just telling himself you know, just keep driving just keep driving you know you he doesn't want to do this anymore you know he doesn't want to lose her he doesn't want to fight monsters you know he doesn't want to do you know any of that stuff and so we kind of end with you know she's being sucked down in and and he's you know gone on his own Man, I mean, I get it, but that's still a bit, come on, big bro. That's that's a little rough, right? <laughs> so here are yeah. some uh, character designs. It looks like, correct? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So this is that's why this is like this issue is is packed with other stuff. So it's got um, his own character design stuff like that. Oh, I love this. I love this. And then here is the hedge witch as well. Yep. And then this one. Um, he did he did in color too and it was kind of like you know she's looking in the mirror and the hedge witch is kind of watching her and so that's why it's like the fingers are kind of touching but they don't know it so there's a thing too with this like where you look in double like glass and uh supposedly like if you touch your finger and you don't like see the way it reflects tells you if it's see-through or not so oh, that's yeah, a, yeah that, that that's pretty yeah i thought maybe that nice. was something that he did there too but it no, could be yeah cool. that, that was all him that was his uh his 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 design stuff and so there's the harpy. This was the dragon that was in the the globe that the um, vampire had, mm -hmm. and so we'll we'll see the dragon again later. I I love okay. this. This is so cool. 
then it's crazy to kind of see some of the composition, like some of the, some of the earlier lines and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then here's the, and then the, the variant the, colored. The, yeah, that's the colored. Yep. And then this, the, the one after, I think there's one more because I think it's the back cover. So this was an homage to Daredevil. So there was a Daredevil cover um, when he, I think it's like the first time he met Nuke. And it was like that Daredevil was on the cover. There's like flames and then like Nuke's face was behind. So that was our, our homage to that. I like the, the baseball bat that kind of has a smiley face on there. Was there any like yeah. meaning behind that or was that the artist? <laughs> yeah, that's all David. Yeah, all that stuff is David. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. So that wraps up the Accursed Issue 1. For anyone that's been watching, where can they find this? Like where are they able to buy Issue 1? So it's... Um, the company changed their name and now they are uh, um, it's let me see i think i have it right over here it's geekus unlimited let me see if i can pull up the uh geekus unlimited sounds like they're keeping it geekly if you uh you ask me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they um got here somewhere they used to be kill the sun um which I didn't know like it had a meaning or anything like that. Um, and then they changed their name and I don't think they changed anything else except for the name. And it was, let me grab one real quick. I can tell you it is. So the, they're I'm probably gonna pronounce it wrong, but it's like, um, Hiro Geekus Unlimited. So it's uh, H-I-E-R-O-G-E-E-K-I-C. -E -E uh, S-U-N-L-L. -L. Uh, I don't know if I can just pull it up that'd be easier or if it's... But that is their... their... So this is what we're getting Oh yeah, you, at, you, you uh, pronounce that way better than I would have. <laughs> but yeah, that's, the, that's their website at the bottom. So you can order from there. Um, and you can order one in one copy. You can order, you know, multiple copies. Um, you can. That's so cool. Know, so what's the golden ticket? If your ticket? shop wants to order it. So yeah. So what's that? What's that golden ticket mean? So that's just what we did because it's um, because these uh, these won't be the regular copies. These are the the preview copies. Mm -hmm. And so um, I did it as like a, you know, you found this golden ticket, kind of like you know Willy Wonka. We hope, you know, I hope that you enjoy the, That's the issue. That's so cool. And then it's got my card and it's got some stickers and, and then, you know, then it's got the, the issue one. So That's hopefully so awesome. we'll get it, enjoy it, you know, and then, you know, maybe talk to shop and ordering. So before we begin wrapping things up, uh, where, where are you going next? You know, what's what's in the pipelines for the Accursed issue number two? I know you kind of talked a little bit about that uh, and maybe any other projects that you're working on. Sure. So the accursed um, issue two, like I said, it's a flashback. So we go back and we meet the parents, and you know we see the Jer what Jeremy went through, and, and kind of you know how he saw what his parents did, and, and you know how they worked together, stuff like that. Um, and then we pick back up, um, and it's funny because again, Star Wars reference, but we we check in on Olivia. We don't really spend a lot of time with her, but we check back in. Um, and she's in the you know, down in the sewer, and she's kind of hanging upside down like Luke was in mm -hmm. in the uh, Empire with the with the Wampa, uh, <laughs> and you know the Soul Sword is kind of like down on the on the ground like his lightsaber, um, 
but we look more at you know the family aspect and, and what her parents did and, and you know um and that kind of you know changes jeremy's attitude towards uh, and his feelings towards you know what his sister's doing um because he you know reminisces on you know how his dad helped his mom and you know how she couldn't do it alone that, that he had to be there to help her so we have a CM Holy over on Twitch stopping by to say the best comic show on Twitch. You got that right. You got that right, CM. Thank you for stopping by. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up and finish on a strong note. So for everyone that's watching, you know, this is always a nice show to promote you and your book. Um, but I also look at it like a tool for anyone that's watching for the first time. You know, indie, indie creator comics, they're just like getting their first like their first break into it and maybe you could serve as like a, a somewhat of, of a, a like a small bit of you know your own jimmy to them uh you know kind of give give your own like little bit of advice to them so for anyone that's starting out and then maybe they're getting into publishing for the first time you know what are some of the biggest like do's and don'ts like with signing up to a publisher for the first time because i know you said there was a kind of a lot that went into it yeah i mean you know generally a majority of the publishers that are accepting um you know, pitches and submissions, um, want five complete pages, colored, lettered, you know, everything done, um, a cover, and then, you know, synopsis for your story. You know, what's the story gonna be? Where's it gonna end? You know, what's gonna happen? Um, they want you to tell them the entire story. So they wanna know beginning, middle, end, you know, with the story. Um, and then I think it's just, you know, have fun with it. It's, it's It shouldn't be a job. Like it shouldn't feel like, you know, a job or feel like work. Um, like when I do this stuff, you know, to me, it, it's fun. Like um, I'll knock out a, a an issue without realizing it just because it's, you know, I, there's so much I want to tell. And then, you know, I'll be watching afterwards and see my page count is too high. I got to cut some stuff back. But, um, you know, have fun with it. You know, it doesn't have to be um, perfect. You know, you're um, in the comic industry if, if you self-publish like you know you're you're part of the comic industry man you yeah put yeah. out a book you know people um read it you know whether they liked it or not i mean you're you know you're in there you made it you know you published your own stuff but um i think it's a little bit tougher like i said before now um in the industry to get you know stuff submitted and, and published um just because there's so many um, creators out there and you know a lot of the creators that are that work in like Marvel and DC are doing their own independent stuff as well because they've got their again you know, their own stories they want to tell so I think it's just you know if you can find somebody um, to work with and can put something out there um, you know even if it's you know through Kickstarter or even if you just you know self-publish um, you know it's not that expensive to, to self-publish your own stuff anymore. No, I, I really appreciate that. I think that was a really uh, awesome piece of advice. It's always like with these shows, I always love like just the, the awesome amount of like nuggets of wisdom and, and just experience that always comes out of these. You know, I love talking because every single creator has a different like venture into their journey, a venture, a different like take yeah, and perspective sure. on it. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. Mark, thank you so much for stopping yeah. by tonight. Yeah. Breaking Thanks down the curse with us. Yeah, they, this was awesome. Everyone watching, I hope you have a fantastic Wednesday. We're going to be wrapping it up. It is new comic book day. Be sure to check out the curse once again. Uh can people go to your website as well to buy it? Yeah, so if you go to markfenton.net, um I'll set up a, a link to get you to where you can buy the book. Cool, cool, cool. And that is in yep. the description on YouTube and Facebook. So be sure to check that out as well, guys. Sweet. We have a fantastic Wednesday, Mark. Once again, thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone still watching, hope you all have a good one. But most importantly, keep it geekly.